0: Welcome, everybody, to the Boiler Alert Podcast, with you, as always, I am your host, Andrew Ledman. I am Brian Bonaparte. We are coming to you on a Wednesday, after Purdue defeated Texas Southern the night before, Big Ten Football Awards came out, we have got a lot to talk about. Figured we'd do football first, and then basketball. Does that make sense to you, Ryan? Uh, it sure does. Um, I do have, since since we missed a little bit of the recording around Thanksgiving, I have a quick Thanksgiving question for you. Okay. Which is better? Pumpkin pie or pecan pie? Those are the two, like, main pie desserts I feel like for Thanksgiving.
1: I mean, I got to stick with my guns and go pumpkin pie.
0: That is correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely correct. Uh, there's not even not even a debate. There's really only one answer, and I'm glad you chose correctly.
1: Yeah, I mean, it just brings me back to uh, the debate. If you have to debate how it's pronounced, yeah. it's not the best
0: pie. Yeah, pecan,
1: pecan yeah or pecan
0: pie yeah pecan pie Mm -hmm. so there we go we solved it not even a question um so as i said today and yesterday the big 10 kind of like did a little bit of their football awards one little thing at a time there was really only one big award that purdue won the rest of them you know we had some second team we had some third team honorable mentions all of that but the big one, of course, was uh, Dylan Thieneman. He was named the Big Ten Freshman of the Year, uh, which is a huge sure. deal, huge deal for him. Um, he is now the seventh Boilermaker to win the award. Um, most recent before him was David Bell in 2019 and then Rondale Moore in 2018. Um, and then you have to go all the way back to 2000 for Stu Schweiger to win it. So um, that is great for Purdue, great for Dylan Thieneman, and he absolutely deserved it. Oh, absolutely.
1: I I know it was kind of talked about in our group chat about how he honestly got snubbed for first-team All-Big Ten. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's kind of true. He, as a freshman, should have been a first-team All-Big Ten, and you don't see that as much nowadays with the standout freshman because uh, college it's always transfers nowadays, yeah. and you have to usually go two or three years before making at least normally that kind of impact on your team. So he really shows how special he is. I mean he's got two older brothers who showed him the ropes, I'm sure, but it's a testament to their family and just how how impressive of a season this is that he had.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's been an incredible season, especially as I always point out, you know, for a true freshman to be doing this you know he had an interception in the very first college game of his career and then in the final game of his freshman season he had two interceptions against IU which were you know really huge plays and kind of helped keep Purdue in that game when the offense was struggling so he is going to be well I mean he already is a star for this Purdue team because not only did he set uh, the freshman record for interceptions in a season. He also set the record for solo tackles by a Purdue player in a season as he grabbed 74. Um, and that breaks a record that was previously held uh, by Rod Woodson. So, I mean, if you can break a. Yeah, if you can break a Rod Woodson record, uh, that is pretty good company, as you said. So. He overall, he was second nationally in interceptions and third in solo tackles at 74, yet somehow uh, did not make first team all-conference, but was uh, the freshman of the year. So you take, you know, I'll take that, but I, I kind of agree with uh, what was said in our group chat that maybe he should have gotten a little more accolade and been placed on the first team, at least by one, either the media or the co Right, absolutely,
1: so... But he's got three more years to get three more of these so I'm sure he'll be uh, gunning for first team here in the next couple years.
0: Yeah yeah I mean I have to believe that's a goal of his for sure. So elsewhere um, there were a number of Purdue players who as I said got you know honorable mention or first team or I'm sorry second team or third team and so just on the offensive side of the ball Deion Burks was second team by the coaches, and he was the only one named to a first, second, or third team on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, we had a number of honorable mentions. Those included uh, Hudson Card, Marcus Imbo, Devin Maccabee, and Tyrone Tracy Jr. Um, Gus Hartwig was also on there. I mentioned him last because big news for him. He did announce that he is coming back to Purdue for his fifth season, so that will really help the offensive line. And Tyrone Tracy, just about an hour ago, announced that he is not returning to school and he is declaring for the NFL draft.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's capitalizing on his season and his time at Purdue. Um, Another one of those guys where really came to Purdue from Iowa and did something different, but it clearly made an impact. So um, good for him. It's, you know, it's someone's going to get themselves a specialist, kind of like a Charlie Jones type guy who on special teams can make an impact. And as in terms of Gus Hartwig, that's because yeah. he really is the anchor of the offensive line and not sure if he's coming back because he, you know, didn't do a full season this year with injury, but um, absolutely huge. If he's back and healthy, he really can bolster that offensive line.
0: Yeah, I do wonder how much of it is that he didn't really get a show off what he's capable of, and he Mm -hmm. wants to make sure that he is fully healthy when he goes into um, the NFL draft, where I think he has a pretty good chance of getting drafted. Um, And you want to go in there healthy, you want to go in there, especially as a lineman, showing them that you can stand up to a full season, and so I'm sure that's what he's looking forward to uh, for next year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So... I I get the feeling we're that's another one where you're kind of expecting him to be one of those first second all Big Ten next year. Yeah, if he's there for all of it. Yeah. Um, kind of like Hudson Card. Hudson Card didn't have a bad season by any means, but I think injuries kind of helped or moved him down on the list.
0: Yeah, for sure. Especially, the, I mean, the rib injury, that just impacts everything you do as a quarterback. So, on the other side of the ball, um, you know, they they announced on Tuesday the defensive awards as well as the special team awards. So, no Purdue players on the first team. Um, Nick Scorton and Dylan Thieneman were both second team All-Big Ten by the coaches. And then on third team, Tyrone Tracy Jr. was third team as a return specialist. Obviously he had the one uh, return touchdown, 98 yards uh, this year, so that surely helped him. And then three Purdue defenders earned honorable mention, those were um, Isaiah Nichols, Sanusi Kane, and Kydron Jenkins, um, which honestly I was surprised Jenkins only got an honorable mention given just the number of sacks he racked up this year. I, mean, I thought that yeah. would have been worthy of at least a third team.
1: Yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing, um, but there's a lot of good defenders and edge rushers in the Big Ten, so it's kind of like a log jam there at the top.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, I mean, we didn't really expect a ton of awards for Purdue. I mean, they did not have a great year. Obviously, they finished 4-8, and eight, gave up a ton of points, didn't score a ton of points. So that's going to hinder you, obviously. So I suppose it's as good as we could have expected. I, we we have a few things to quibble with, but overall, I, I think the coaches in the media did about a, a pretty fair or decent job with Purdue. I mean, do you agree or disagree?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean one one thing that I would actually be having a real opinion on that I can live so really good building blocks for Ryan Walters,
0: yeah, yeah, I hope so, and we gotta make sure these guys stay around, so it's uh transfer portal is a more and more uh difficult thing to to understand and to keep a team together because the numbers for <laughs> Purdue are certainly racking up, I mean. You know, we talked about it on Sunday when we recorded, and there were, I think, maybe five or six guys in the portal at that time. And we're, we're far into the double digits at this point. Um, let's see. I'm trying to remember who the last person we talked about was. Um, so we had, I think, Mershon Rice was the last one we talked about, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we've got uh, linebacker Dominic Moon, defensive lineman J.P. Dieter, uh, defensive lineman Suleiman Kap- Kapka? Kapaka. Uh, Dion Burks, which really hurts. Uh, yep. Defensive lineman Prince Boyd. Offensive lineman Malachi Presadio. Presiato? Uh, let's see. And then quarterback slash wide receiver Zion Steptoe entered into the portal. Just moving on down, we've got wide receiver Curtis DeVille. Uh, and I think there's been more this evening that I have not um, added to this story. We've just got a running list on hammerandrails.com. But mm-hmm. it's, it's adding up. I mean, Burks, to me so far now, is the worst one because he was one of the only weapons we had at the wide receiver position.
1: Yeah, um, Burks really does hurt. And then I think Coltenberger also is kind of painful just because you want continuity in your offensive line, even if nothing else you have depth. And Coltenberger really stepped up this year to help uh, fill in for when Gus Hartwig and everyone else apparently got hurt because, let's be honest, everyone seemingly got hurt on the offensive line. Um, I know they also lost um, Andre Oban. He uh, entered the transfer portal. Um, So a couple other depth offensive line guys are
0: leaving, which
1: not great, but you know what? The portal giveth and the portal taketh.
0: That is true. That is true hundred percent. So we'll keep an eye on that. And I'm sure, you know, we'll see some names coming into um, the Boilermakers here in the near future. So we'll keep an eye out for that as well. But we're going to go ahead, take a break, come back and talk about Purdue's victory over Texas Southern and look ahead to Northwestern on Friday. And we are back. So Purdue faced the Texas Southern Tigers, obviously uh, not exactly a barn burner of a game. Not exactly a school who strikes fear in your heart. Uh, they have gone to the NCAA tournament a number of times in recent years, but right now they're they were 0-6 coming into the game. Obviously walked out of Mackey Arena 0-7. Final score 99-67. Purdue covered the 31 and a half point spread by the absolute barest of margins, uh, winning by 32. And I I failed to. Pull the trigger, so I did not win the money. Uh, but you never know uh, how early the walk-ins are going to come in in a game like this. So I, I get a little scared of betting on these early season matchups that I know are going to be blowouts.
1: Yeah, makes sense. And if you're a person in the crowd, I mean, you, this was interesting to the very end. Even yeah. if you're not a betting type person, Purdue scored 99. They had the ball. With about two seconds left, and Will Berg had it with could have dunked the ball, got to 101, and didn't do it. And just before that, the entire student section almost won free chicken. Yeah. So like, I this is one of the most engaged games I've ever seen for a 32 point victory. Yeah, I mean I not mean, to had,
0: not not to mention Braden Smith.
1: Braden Smith, yeah. Plus, you had the Texas Southern guys doing windmill dunks down by thirty. Yeah, like this was an entertaining game, even though it was a blowout. So you definitely
0: got your money's worth. Yeah, that's true. I mean, a lot of times in games like this, when when Purdue gets the lead up that high, they take the break, They take the foot off the gas and kind of throw in some lineups that you don't normally see, and everything slows down a bit and gets a little clunky, which that did happen for a few minutes in this game, Uh, but obviously not too much, as Purdue was able to score 55 in the second half. Um, You know, Braden Smith, the absolute star of this game, only played 25 minutes. Painter took him out with so much time to go in the second half. Um, Mm -hmm. He finished with 19 points, 10 assists, and what we thought... Was eight rebounds. Uh, he had Let's eight. Make it so much worse. I know. It's so much worse. So he had eight rebounds when he got taken out. And then we were like, oh, you got to put him back in. It was like at the 14 minute mark or so that he got taken out. And it's like, well, you got to put him back in. He just needs two more rebounds. And he would have had the second triple double in Purdue basketball history. Um, but he didn't come in the rest of the game. And then four or five minutes after the game, The Purdue Basketball Twitter account tweets out, we misattributed a rebound to someone else during the game. It was actually a Braden Smith rebound, so he finishes with nine rebounds, meaning he just needed one rebound in the last, you know, 14 or 15 minutes to have that triple-double.
1: Oh, it's, uh, I mean, we're, we're arguing kind of semantics at this point, like should you have left him in, but... Ah, uh, I'm sure Braden Smith was not too, thr- not, not too thrilled, but, like, just wishes he could have gotten that extra one. But this is not the first time he's flirted with a triple-double no.
0: this year. No, at the Moorhead State game, the one I was in attendance at in Mackey, he got very close as well.
1: Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't think it's going to be the last, either. No. There's a couple more cupcake games in December that
0: he might really be pushing the envelope for. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, like I said, Braden Smith was great. Lance Jones also great. Um, Mm -hmm. 21 minutes in this one, 15 points, and uh, only one turnover. Purdue as a team did much better with the ball. I mean, they had 12 turnovers, but uh, some of those came at the end of the game. You know, Carson Barrett had a turnover. Will Berg had a turnover. Um, those are guys who you're not going to often see in the uh, – or wait. Yeah, Wilberg and – and no, Barrett did not have a turnover. Sorry, I was looking at fouls. Um, but, you know, these are – Purdue had 10 um, overall. But these are guys who you're probably not going to see in uh, end-of-game situations very often. So even with 10 turnovers, it, it was even better than that when you consider that a couple of those came at the end. So um, overall, just a really great game from just about everybody on the floor. Um uh, Edie only wound up playing 21 minutes, made every shot he took, went 7 of 10 at the line, 15 and 6 for him. So no double-double, but he was able to get some rest, and I think that is is just as important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And at the end of the day, you saw all of these guys had – you went deep into the bench. Um, and we always say it, right? Like this is kind of like playing an FCS team for football. And we teetered with that injury line just a little too close for comfort. I mean, Miles Colvin showed that he can jump about eight feet in the air, but when you do that and you um, hit a player on your way down and land on your back from that high, not great. No, a little scary to come back into the game. So that's the important thing. Um, I'm positive there was a collective gasp in Mackey Arena uh at that point but it was i don't all for not and maybe he doesn't do that many more times you know, if <laughs> yeah
0: else, let's call it a lesson i'm sure the uh coaching staff as soon as he went to the ground kind of like <gasps> just held mm-hmm. their breath just for a second you know that's got to be a little bit terrifying for you as you watch your young star uh jump up like that and land so hard on his back just uh a, a little terrifying for all involved.
1: Just, just a tad. Um, I think watching this game, it really shows that Purdue has found a way to get to another gear. Where if they push in transition, especially with Lance Jones, I think he's the catalyst to all this. But if they push in transition, it's really difficult to slow them down. I mean... It comes down to Smith and Jones as a two-man team, but there was a point where it was two straight fast-break threes for Lance Jones, and they looked so good coming off his hand and absolutely drained them. Yeah. And I I don't know what to do if you're a defender against Purdue. If you go slow, you're getting it to Zach Eady. If you go fast, they have ways to beat you now too. So, albeit we're not – They didn't play the best team in the world yesterday, but still, this is where you learn more about your team than in some other games.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Lance Jones looks just so confident out there. That first three of the game he took, he took it and then immediately turned to his left and let the Texas Southern bench know that it was going in before it was even close to the hoop. And sure enough, he drained it and was about halfway down uh, the court by the time the ball went in. I mean, he just knew it was going in as soon as he shot it. I,
1: there's something about him that reminds me of Carson Edwards. Um, just the, the swagger he has, honestly. Uh, and it's so nice to see it came in a little bit different way with Jaden Ivy. That wasn't like, Hey, I will shoot the lights out of the gym if I need to. But, um, it's still something that wasn't there last year. I don't think at all, and that is so very nice to see. It's such a complimentary piece to a—I don't want to say stagnant—but an offense that was very methodical last year.
0: Yeah, I think methodical is a good is a good word um, because they certainly played that way at times, and it could uh, it could cause some problems.
1: Can we also discuss the guy who had four fouls in the first half? Yes, that was wild. I, mean, I mean, that, that that guy. Ugh, I feel I felt bad for him at that point. And one of them were uh, a somewhat ticky-tack foul. Yeah, one was like, bad. Even
0: even Robbie Hummel pointed it out.
1: Yeah, so it's like, what else are you going to be able to do? And then I think he did foul out in the second half. A couple guys fouled out for Texas Southern. It's just. You're so mismatched at this point. You just have fun with it. Like, one one guy fouled out on Caleb First free throws. He sat down while he was taking the free throw. Right. First didn't make it, though. So, I mean, good on Texas Southern for having fun in a game they knew they weren't going to win.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and... Texas Southern is one of those teams, they were talking about it on the broadcast, where they basically spend the first few months of the season just going on the road, doing buy game after buy game, so that they can basically, I mean, pay for their season. Um, you know, they said they don't have a home game until January, so that is just astounding.
1: Yeah, I mean, imagine having your uh, road trip go, I think they said they play Kansas? Oh. You get to play at Purdue, Kansas. I mean, the you're you're definitely sharpening the knives there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean you're 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 not really worried about your strength of schedule at that point. You're just hoping to hang on.
1: You're you're preparing yourself for a conference season, let's yes. put it that way. Yeah. That's a nice way to put it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean I'm looking at their schedule right now and it, it is definitely rough. They have already played Virginia as well, and you know us so that is something you don't see a lot of schools do unless they are schools who just desperately need the money so um mm-hmm. I don't believe uh they go to Kansas that I see oh, okay. so but they may have talked about them going to them in the past, but yeah they they don't have oh, I'm sorry they don't have a home game until december um December sixteenth is their first home game. so Quite quite on a, on the Yeah, quite a quite a ways away for them. But I mean not a whole lot else to say about this matchup. Ryan, is does anything stand out to you that we didn't talk about? Um
1: I really enjoyed the play of Trey kaufman Ren. He seemed to be very fluid on offense and he was so locked in on defense, especially on the high ball screen where he would hedge a defender or hedge the ball handler. Um, I thought he did very well with that.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's certainly been improving as the season has gone on. I know we didn't, you know, Edie didn't play a ton of minutes in this one, but do you think that Edie and Trey Kaufman-Wren on the court at the same time is working? Do you think it is improving? Do you think it's something that we're going to stick with? See, I
1: I can answer this two ways. Do I think it's working? Yes, because you're putting your best players in when you start them however part of me is with the people online that are saying we would prefer that Trey Kaufman Wren came off the bench rather and that way he can be that sole inside focus on the second squad when you're playing against the um, opponent's bench as well and then you essentially just flip flop first and Trey Kaufman ran. So, do I think it's working? Of course, because I think he is the best option for that position. But do I think there are better, uh, more efficient options? Perhaps.
0: Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, But, you know, Painter Painter is going with it. He's sticking with it. We're undefeated on the season. We're number one in the country. I don't expect a ton of changes. Would be my opinion. So, uh, that is Texas Southern. Now, you may not know this, but in two days, Big Ten play starts. Um, mm-hmm. Purdue is, of course, you know, going to play a couple Big Ten games before winter break, and then it is back to a couple non-conference games, and then we go back uh, to Big Ten season. But Purdue's first Big Ten game coming up Friday, 9 p.m. tip, I believe, against the Northwestern Wildcats. That is in mm-hmm. Evanston, on the road there at... Uh, whatever is the name of their arena. Welsh, Welsh Ryan. Ryan. There we go. Yep. Um, so, Ryan, uh, you will be in attendance covering the game for us, will you not?
1: Yes, it will be Welsh Ryan Bonaparte
0: Arena. Uh, ha, ha Nailed it. Um, so I'm just going to throw this out. If we lose, you're don't a jinx. Don't do it. No, don't do that. No, uh, I don't need that juju. Look, you're the one that brought it up during football season. And I want it known that we're paying attention. And if Purdue loses at Northwestern, as they did last year, I'm beginning to think it might be you.
1: In fairness, I was not at that game.
0: How do I know that?
1: Um, I told you.
0: Mm, I don't know that I trust you. I feel like you're trying to cover your
1: tracks. Nope. I can say with absolute certainty, last season – I did not witness Purdue lose a game to a conference opponent.
0: Oh, I did. I was at that Maryland game. That was not fun. Huh. Mm. But, uh, so, I mean, we mentioned Purdue last year lost to Northwestern. That was an absolutely ridiculous game. I believe Zach Edey was bloody in that game, and Northwestern was just absolutely brutal and fouling all the time and getting away with it. And didn't Chris Collins, like, grab – One of our players.
1: I, that rings a bell. I believe Um, it was Fletcher lawyer. That sounds right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's odd. I, I, that's the one game I kind of just try to put out of my memory other than others. But like, I, I don't really remember too, too much about that game. Um, it's just Northwestern is just one of those teams. They're just so scrappy at times it's like a rutgers team i mean purdue clearly has a tendency to lose to a specific archetype of opponents and northwestern and rutgers fit the bill of those so we'll see boo booey is a very good point guard i would say he's probably a top five point guard um especially in the big 10 um then again so is braden smith I would put those two, well, probably both, in the top three.
0: Yeah, but. yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Boo Booey played great against Purdue last year, and I mm-hmm. did look it up, and it is Chris Collins who grabbed Fletcher Lawyer um, yeah. while Lawyer was on the court, just grabbed him by the arm. Somehow nothing happened from it, no call, no nothing. One of the weirder situations I, I, I've seen on a college basketball court, but I hope... This Purdue team is out for revenge. Uh, Northwestern announced today that this game is sold out and that they're doing a blackout, which always really confuses me when Northwestern does a blackout. Um, yeah, I, I guess. So we will see. I don't know if Purdue is, is requesting fans to wear gold to kind of counteract it because, you know, most almost always we wear black. As fans, so I'm not sure if they want people to go uh, with gold just to stand out, but I think that wouldn't be a terrible idea uh, for Purdue fans just to make it look as if there are you know team fans from the other team. But who who knows? Um, I was surprised last year with the Northwestern fan base. I thought the crowd was really into it during last year's game, and Mm -hmm. I I don't know if it'll continue this year. But it certainly seems like it might. Um they're they're improving there from a foot, or from a basketball fan standpoint for sure. Yeah, I mean
1: that's what happens when you put money into the program and they are definitely starting to do that with athletics. So that's it's always nice to have better amenities when you're the erode team. Um and when you're the home team, I guess. Um but not quite sure how well they are prepared this season to go up against uh, Zach Eady, especially since, you know, you mentioned we had that game last year and I'm pretty sure that's something Matt Painter will kind of keep an eye on very early on as how well they are um, calling that from the officiating standpoint. And, Matt Painter. It's very quiet when he does it, but he gets into officials. Oh yeah, and like he, it almost like he's like out. He's teaching them. It's not so much berating them. He's essentially teaching them, hey, this is not right, and it makes a difference. But I think there are very many who just wishes he would get a tech sometimes in that situation. But, yeah,
0: I mean, I'm not a fan of the whole. You know, you got to get a tech to change the refs or to get your team back into it. I think at that Mm -hmm. point, you're often just giving your opponent two points. Um, You're Mm -hmm. sure you might fire up your team, but I I don't know. It seems silly um, and reminds me too much of the Bobby Knight way of thinking. So I've never been a fan of that thought process, but to each their own. Um, I know Gene Cady would do it back in the day as well but he was much more fiery uh than matt painter so it's it's just not the style that i prefer but i I understand why people want it because they feel like painter is not fighting for his guys if he doesn't get that technical but if you watched those games in the maui invitational you saw painter going after those officials in that tennessee game and they changed how they were calling the game for a few minutes and then they changed it back, and then they changed it again. So there's only so much you can do um, with these officials, especially when they're just so inconsistent regardless.
1: Yeah. Um, I should mention, just because I feel like we should mention this on all of our podcasts when we're talking about opposing teams, they do have a 7-footer. Do they? Yes. His name is Matthew Nicholson. Um, He's a senior, 7-foot, 280 pounds. So He's He's pretty good, good sized. Um, you know, he's played 22 minutes a game this year played in all six. And it's someone that you may want to pay attention to. I mean, he's not necessarily scoring in bunches. He averages a little over five points a game, but Hey, it's someone who, if you need to throw a body at Zach Eady, he can come and do that. And he has not taken a three.
0: That is important. Yes. Yeah. So I think Purdue has every reason to come into this game angry, every reason to come into this one motivated and ready to win. And if Purdue truly is the number one team in the nation, and if Purdue wants to repeat as Big Ten champions, this is a game they've got to win. This is a game they've got to kind of show the conference. We're ready to go. And we can repeat like we like we did last year. And so I'm really looking forward to this one. As I said, 9 o'clock tip. It's on Big Ten Network. So I hope everybody can uh, stay awake for a late one. And uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to it, Ryan. I'm glad you're getting the opportunity to go and cover this one in person. Absolutely. I mean,
1: just a quick trip through Chicago and then up through Evans.
0: Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. final thoughts on Northwestern before we head out for the night?
1: Um. Yeah, they're, they're a team that uh, – I don't know. I just I'm not a big fan of purple in a team.
0: (laughs) There you go. That's the kind of hard-hitting analysis you come to the Boiler Alert Podcast for. So there you go. That's what we're gonna leave you with. No fans of No fans of purple here on the Boiler Alert Podcast, folks. For Ryan and myself, thanks so much for joining us. Boiler up. Never down.